Good evening and welcome to take two. Hope you guys are doing well wherever you're at. Uh, here with Brian. Glad you guys can be here with us or tune in later and catch up and want to remind you that our space is open if you'd like to be a part of the conversation. Uh, we're getting here at 6.30 and kind of talking a little bit beforehand and then we go on live at 7, uh, but we do take questions as well during our time here. So if you have questions that you'd like to pose, you can send them in here on YouTube or you can come on down and shout them out at us and we'd be happy to respond in that way. Um, remind you also that we do have our meetings Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. here, as well as on YouTube Live. That's continuing. And we've got a few other things happening. Brian, why don't you talk about Common Ground a little bit and what that is? I mentioned it Sunday. Um, yeah. But kind of share think, what's going on. Um, yeah, Common Ground is was an idea that I think is an extension of things that we were all already doing. So we wanted to have a hub other than maybe our own social medias, a central hub where we could start inviting people um, if they were looking for an event that was, me and Jordan had had a talk and we're like, oh, there's a bar or a club you could go to every day of the week if you wanted to, um, but there's not a place you can gather and um, create and commune and converse. So we're like, what if there was an event every day of the week you could still go to the bar, but you would have a choice to come to an event that was like more relational. And so that was birthed from that conversation. Oddly, or, you know, coincidentally enough, we all were kind of already doing our own events and uh, we're opening up to the world. So uh, starting at Genesis, anybody that is looking to host a workshop, teach a class, um, run an event. So, uh, so far, it's only been Jordan. Uh, Jordan has an art for artists, which is and I've been kind of a part of that where artists are uh, get to show and tell. Um, it's not an open mic. It's more of a we bring a piece of art, get a chance to talk about it, and we listen and talk about that and, and share that space with other artists. Uh, you have to be an artist to be a part of that. We ask that you are. The uh, um, Pact. Pact was his yeah. philosophy class, a critical thinking class. I had that last night. It was awesome. Um, he has also did like a hike, he has a botanical uh, garden meeting coming up here on the uh, 21st of August. Also, um, we have a gal who's been actually during the pandemic has been doing Bible works, journaling workshops. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what that is, I didn't know what it was. You're basically uh, creating art inside of your Bible. So she has like um, almost like a, what is it called? Scrapbooking. Mm -hmm. It's like a like a scrapbooking vibe and some paintings involved and you're writing inside of the margins of your Bible. It's been, it's been really successful. She's doing well. She, her, her event is called, um, our right life. Um, that's her organization as well, writing inside of the margins. And it is on the, uh, 28th, um, of August, me and Nikki boy are doing this thing where we're opening up the Genesis building. Also not an open mic. We're just inviting creatives, because we hate creating at the house because there's like a bed and a refrigerator and um, TV. <laughs> TV and <laughs> just things that will stop us from creating. So um, Genesis Works has been a, a huge blessing to us. So we want to invite all other artists to come just bring their sketchbook, bring their empty canvas, their journal, their um, Mickey boys going to be playing some music, I'm, I'm bring some snacks. Also not an open mic. We're just going to be sharing space. So if you're an artist on the 28th and all of that could be found on common ground family, um, on IG on Instagram. 
and we have a website that I created. It's called commongroundevents.org. And that's going to be the one that's going to go out um, to the masses and anybody that to reaches the world. To the world. So you can go to any city in the world and just come to a common ground. Exactly. Event. That's the goal. So I was telling my daughter, Lauren, about this. She goes, so it's kind of like a dating app for artists. <laughs> what? Like, yeah. How is that? Oh, that's right. kind of is. Swipe right, right? You just. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever dated artists. Don't do it. It's like, <laughs> that's why they don't exist. I just don't want to date other artists. They just kill each other and write poems about each other. <laughs> they make some killer music after. Right. Um, anyway, all that's to be said is we got things happening. Uh, connect with us somehow. We want to connect again, uh, you know, at a time when the pandemic has really taken away the ability to connect, I think, in meaningful ways. You know, connection isn't just coming and listening to someone. It's coming and participating with people. And so we're doing the uh, summer series uh, we met at my house last Saturday. Is the next one at your house? No, the next one is at the Borjas. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's at uh, Mary and Adelio Borjas. We'll get the information for you on that, but that's happening in August, and then yours is later in the month. I think ours is early September. September. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll get you up to date on the other ones that are happening. But there are opportunities for us to connect because we really need to connect. Uh, it's important for us if you feel unsafe still. I know that the Delta variant is affecting a lot of people. Uh, please be safe. Um, we want you to follow your conscience and we want to do what we can to make sure everyone uh, is safe to you know whatever degree possible. So anyway, that being said, uh, take two is where we talk about what Sunday's talk was about. And Sunday I spoke a continuing series on the politics of Jesus. And I talked about the politics of salt and light. Um, so that's what it was kind of about. Uh, Brian, I'm going to throw it at you, though, where you want to ask questions direct or get clarification. Yeah, um, I, wrote, I wrote some stuff down. I, I started because <laughs> um, I think you had an idea. I think you've growing up in the church, mm -hmm. you hear a salt and light passage at least once a year and yeah. talk about it and how it's supposed to preserve and what light does. And I just started like really uh, making a list of things that salt and light do mm -hmm. um, separate from preserving and um, taste. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think taste is not really like always a, uh, a thing that they talk about, but yeah. I think it's more like adding flavor. Um, I had uh, fertilize. Um, uh, light is what I didn't, one thing I never heard is like uh, it warms, you know, hmm. like um, it covers, you know. So it was like to think about how the other things that uh, light and salt do and, and, and open to the conversation of like making that bigger, you know, yeah. rather than trying to narrow down. I mean, constantly that's what we're doing, you know, we're like taking a concept, making it huge, bringing it back. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned some of the ways that salt was used because it was so readily available because of the Dead Sea. Um, and I think maybe that was one of Jesus's point is like, this is something that's so useful in so many ways. And maybe that's how we are supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be useful in whatever ways we can be to whatever people are there um, and being open to that, right? And he was uh, talking about something that was so readily available. So it's like using the language of the thing they speak. I mean, we would probably not say that now. We yeah. would say, like, uh, I don't know, what's something that... Wi-Fi. <laughs> like Wi-Fi. Like, like, you yeah, are the Wi-Fi. You're like the Wi-Fi of the world. 
<laughs> and um, I think that's cool because yeah. it lets you know uh, that it, it's he's speaking still uh, parabolically. I don't know if that's the right word, mm-hmm. but also like relevantly. You know? like, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that is very important. I think throughout this whole teaching of Jesus, that is relevant, especially to the people from the nation of Israel. Yeah. You know, I mentioned the passages where he talks about light, where it was referenced to Israel. Israel was supposed to be this light to the peoples, to the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think taking that image that these people would have known, because they grew up reading Torah, they grew up reading the, the scriptures, knowing it, studying it, kind of like our kids do at Sunday school, and they hear, you know, the different stories of Noah or, you know, David and Goliath. They grew up hearing these stories, and so hearing Jesus speak about the light of the world, they would immediately thought of, oh, is, that's what Isaiah says. Yeah. And that's in reference to the nation. Right. And now he's talking to this group of people, and he's taking what was the nation and making it his disciples. And so there's a transfer there that they would have immediately gotten, which would have been, again, a pretty astounding thing to them. To hear that, oh, what, we're the new nation? Right? Because that's kind of what he's... Do you think that that was surprising to them? Or do you think that would, like, threw them back? Or do you think, just like today, there would be a mix of people feeling entitled and a mix of people feeling humbled? You know, what is it? Yeah. You know? I imagine there was a lot of uh, emotion, you know, that varied. I think the leaders, you know, from the religious leaders to them... It was an abomination. It was heresy. I think to the people, it was empowering and uh, inviting them to be a part of this story instead of just bystanders watching it. Um, And so I think you had that, you know, everything in between probably with those things, which is why Jesus, you know, stirred things up and ruffled feathers and was crucified ultimately because he did push into the power establishment and said, I'm taking this and giving it to these people. Remember, these people weren't the cream of the crop, right? These were the sick and, you know, the people who were paralytics and they were just your common blue collar workers. They weren't people who were as studied as them, who knew, you know, the law like they did. And so taking this identity and responsibility away from the leaders who kind of oversaw Israel and gave it to these people, um, I think was pretty, you know, yeah. in your face kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. It was really like, what are you doing? You can't talk like that. Right. You know, don't you know who we are? Yeah. And that kind of thing. So, which I think was this whole point. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I also like how you said that you are that, you know, you are, you're not acting like salt and light. It's mm-hmm. not, it wasn't a metaphor. It was a uh, like you need to like, become salt. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to become. You're not gonna gonna be salt light. Uh, yeah, it was in a future talk. Um, I thought that the reason that's powerful because I love stuff like that when you kind of talk about pretense and like what and when and direction of who you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's so important because um, it it has to give you ownership and it makes mm-hmm. you. It should make you think about all the things salt and light could be to the world. You know, and I yeah. mean. Even not thinking about that they wrote that all the way back then and it'd be impossible to almost kill 
light or salt you know like it was like a mm-hmm. like salt still exists very normally today and light obviously <laughs> you know but it's like two very common things that you that aren't going anywhere anytime soon that you know like <laughs> yeah. uh, that uh it, he didn't give like you're you're a you're a rhino and a, you know like a, a, <laughs> <laughs> a bull in a china shop yeah. right yeah yeah so i think he they're like there are all some things like to be very like intentional about his his yeah yeah choices. and it was again it's passive right these yeah. are passive things that just are i i think one of the things that jesus is doing is he's focusing the whole idea of what the kingdom looks like right he talked about the kingdom being he first shared it with this group of people and then he shared those you know beatitudes the blessed are you know the poor in spirit those who mourn uh those who are um hungering and thirsting for righteousness you know the meek the uh, merciful peacemakers all all those that he goes through is his fine-tuning the lens to say you know if this is the characteristics in you this is what the kingdom looks like and the kingdom looks like this because of what these situations develop which i think is important because there's grief and suffering you know with this group of people who were sick paralytic demon possessed poor uh being used by all the different systems right the religious system the political system and everything in between even the revolting systems that were trying to you know get rid of rome or those who were not happy with rome or the temple system um these people were just in the way of all of the things that were going on these were like you know the common people who were kind of like us now having to be in the crossfires of you know fox and cnn right we're hearing all this stuff and we're like okay so what is the truth of the vaccines and this virus and you know political system and and parties and and all these things and the people are just in the middle and when that produces grief and when that produces suffering there is a remnant that is still faithful and still hopeful and i think jesus is fine-tuning his lens to that you know those those who are dealing with all these things who have these characteristics who are grieving suffering but are still faithful to want to be a part of what god is going to do and are hopeful mm-hmm. and i think jesus is like really shining the light on that and i think that can be found today too you know and i think that's what he's looking for which makes it what we want to be yeah, um, and how, like, how, how? What's the call to, what's the call there then? You know, like if we, because I, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I guess well, I, mean, I, I you probably, I ask you this all the time, and I'm like, what if someone was listening to this and and for the first time mm-hmm. and does, and understands the concept of salt and light and sees why that's a beautiful metaphor, and how those people could be blessed in the idea that God, that Jesus is saying it. But like, what's the uh, application? What would you tell somebody that was like, so how do I bring this into my life? How do I strive and how do I, how do I make my way to, to, mm-hmm. to that, you know? I think it is, again, being mindful of the character of Christ because that's what all those blessings show, right? They're, they're that mosaic that's put together that really looks like who he is. Even like we spoke about, you know, the, the theirs is the kingdom of heaven is in between 
you know, or, or all those Beatitudes are in between, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so all these make up uh, really a common theme and blessing. I think acting in that way where we are merciful, being peacemakers, right? These are the characteristics uh, that we want to have within us and we want to uh, develop and we want to, you know, try and cultivate within our own lives. And, and so, again, it's not like you have to do these things to be blessed. It's like, no, if those things are in your life, congratulations, you're, you're there, right? And if those things aren't in your life, you know, what's missing? Why do I, why do I not have mercy in my life? You know, what is it that's making me um, not so merciful? You know, maybe it is uh, uh, watching the news, you know, or hearing an agenda from a certain group of people. And it, it's causing me to be uh, less of a peacemaker and more of a instigator, mm -hmm. right? And how do I develop this idea of making peace with people, you know, not preserving peace, but making it happen? How can I be a participant in these kinds of things? I, I think that's when we become or are salt and light. Right. You know, those things are just by themselves in their nature, salt and light. They they don't have to do anything more than that because that is the example. That's a good segue into what you were talking about, the five-minute gospel talk versus the, you know, the individual obligation versus the collective character. Yeah. Could you, like, expand on that a little bit? Because I know like, like, that spoke to me because it's like, I understand what well, that to me was like the the revelation of the mm -hmm. whole thing. You know, that was kind of like the if you can separate the I have to be this versus I have I am this. And if you could turn like the the light towards like you have no mm -hmm. choice you, you, to not be what you are kind of thing. And yeah. uh, and he's saying you are already. He called you, you know, yeah. um, it's like then I'm not. How do I step into it? It's like that inheritance uh, talk. Mm -hmm. Like, um, was it you that was telling me that the yeah. the, the Rockefeller that you yeah. said on your last thing? Yeah, it's like you. That was cool, you know, because it was like, oh, once you understand that it's already there, how do I become it? How do I step into that? Yeah, inheritance? Live as yeah. if it's a reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a huge difference, right? I mean, from that individual obligation where I have to tell someone about this so that I can be salt, you know, or I can be the light. I have to do this to become this. And I am obligated to this as opposed to this is a collective people who are this because it is their inheritance, because yeah. they are people who are poor in spirit, because they are people who suffer for Christ's sake or in Christ's image. You know, I think that that's a totally different picture. And what I thought of when I thought about, you know, the individual obligation and the, the things that I used to think, you know, I need to share my faith with somebody and the conversations could be so short and shallow, right? It just be, I, I'm telling them, I'm giving them the five points or, you know, the four spiritual laws or I'm the road to Romans and I've got this little pathway. Here's this, this, this. And I, if I do it well, I can do it in a short amount of time, right? Because I'm very clear. And there it is. There's the gospel. And all I have to do is like a sales pitch, right? right? As the other one is, this is who I am. You can look at me anytime and get the flavor that's needed and see what needs to be seen because there's a light shining on it and it's my life. 
and then I can journey in this life with you anytime, anywhere, and the conversation can last years, and it can be moments, it can be days, it, you know, it, it, it's relational. Right. And it's That's not just me, it's a lot of us, right? So it's not a, a responsibility that you have to do this, otherwise, you know, something, you know, you're responsible for that person's soul or whatever. Oh gosh, um, that might be the part of the salt metaphor that it's not a rock, you know, like mm -hmm. we're not the rocks of the earth, you know, or like <laughs> there's a lot, you know, like this, yeah. it's uncountable, <laughs> uh, unimaginable. And it, it takes more than one piece of salt to be uh, noticed in a mm -hmm. sense, you know, like, yeah. like you can't put one piece of a grain of salt in your eggs and, you, you know, so that whole $5, that, that, that thing they give out the piano player, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you if you don't listen to Sam's talk, listen to it. But it's like he's talking about the piano player, and everybody's like uh, donating to his GoFundMe, and it was five dollars here, five dollars there from all, all over the world, made seventy five thousand dollars, and it was like salt was that image for me. It was like uh, it was all of our salt, you know, like flavoring the um, yeah yeah yeah. The, the thing. And that's an exciting thing. I mean, and that's where I think the idea of hope comes in, right? Faithfulness and hope. We're faithfulness to the cause of Christ, even though. Um, you know, there's so much resistance. I feel right now that the church is really at a pivotal point. I think it's being divided. And I think that that's sad, but good. If the division opens the door so that this conversation can be had with more people, right? Because a lot of people are not seeing salt. They're, they're getting a stench, right? They're, they're seeing uh, judgment attitude. They're saying you have to either join us or our party, or you can't do anything with us. You know, you have to either uh, see all, you know, the vaccination as evil and I mean, mark of the beast, or you have to, you know, be on the other side. And if you're not vaccinated, you're, you know, an evil person. And, and you've got this battle going on that's drawing lines and, and dividing sides. And I think none of them look like salt or light, right? And I, I think that this is the opportunity where the character of Christ can show up and be that, you know, in this time. I, I, and I hope Genesis will be that. I know in Genesis, we have people of various political persuasions, and I love that different ethnicities. And I hope that just continues. I hope we look like the world, right? I, I hope that what happens in here looks like what's happening out there with this idea of the character of Christ being the underlying theme above our other things, right? So I, I am a, a follower of Christ. I want the character of Christ to be a part of my life before I identify as an American or a Republican or Democrat, right? I, I want the character of Christ to be what identifies me so that every other thing that is identified can have the flavor of Christ and be the illumination of, I am a person who's merciful. I am a person who makes peace. I am a person who mourns. I'm a person, you know, I mean, what kind of government would be made by people who have those characteristics? It's not gonna be one that's oppressive. It's not gonna be one that's demanding. It's going to be one that is empathetic, concerned, and loving. And I think that's important right. you know, to see that shine up in all of us. You know, it's funny. We did that uh, words workshop yesterday. Mm -hmm. And one of the words that when I walked in, they were already talking about it, awful. 
and it was like like in awe and full like it started as a good thing like mm -hmm. you're in awe full of awe you know and then slowly it turned into what like awe and then two l's on the full uh and then it somehow made its way into terrible and like that and then that word you know it was like a, a switch and mm -hmm. as far as like the word salt i don't know if you heard this term salty like it's a very like uh right now term yeah. like oh they're salty you know yeah, like they're like they're too much or no they're um bitter you oh, know like okay. they're um like if you're salty you're mad at something i did okay. um that and it's not like you're mad at me because i did something wrong you might be salty because i um said something that exposed you or something mm. you know but it was like it's weird how like the evolution of words yeah uh, even now like because we're seeing talking it as a good thing and how anything could be taken as like a but like how they had to make a new word for awful or to be to change the meaning back to what it was meant for mm. and um so that for awful they turned it into awesome and then uh and salt mm. as salty there's like <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like there's like it's weird because in the basketball team, there's like a lot of <clears throat> things yeah. like thoughts i had in my mind but a slang you know mm -hmm. um but there's there's a lot of words that could mean separate things and how salt happens to be one of those things that's like has so many different meanings you yeah know? Uh, yeah kind of bad and it's interesting too because when jesus says um <laughs> george can manure he goes ma newer <laughs> um you know, if a salt if salt loses its flavor, what good is it, right? If, if it loses its saltiness, I think one translation says, um, and the idea is if it loses the character of what it is, then it's good for nothing, right? And we don't want to be people who lose the character of Christ and are good for nothing. And that's what I think I see happening in different ways. Um, that's what I think I saw happening in my own life <clears throat> where I, I was all about being right, having good theology, but I didn't have the character of Christ. I wasn't salt, um, with flavor, you know, and I think that the world sees that and, and is not going to be drawn to something that does not have that flavor, right? Someone who just tries, who wants to be right and prove you wrong. It's not really appealing. You know, but someone who is merciful, someone who is kind, someone who is going out of their way to be helpful, someone who's, you know, the idea of meek, who doesn't use their position for their own advantage, those things, I think, attract. And I think that's the flavor that Jesus is referring to. And then again, we want to see, okay, is my life filled with that flavor? Do I have that within me? Or is it useless? Yeah. You know, because a lot of times knowledge puffs up, right? But love builds up. Right. And so having that kind of uh, distinguishing, you know, understanding who we're going to be, it's important. And all, all, like you made me think about like if salt loses its characteristic, um, like because to salt, that's the only thing. I mean, it, it's if it loses its salt, its, its saltiness, then it's kind of it. And um, if we're supposed to find our identity in Christ, if, if he's he is our characteristic in a sense, mm -hmm. uh, we have our individual characteristics. But if our uh, we are his and uh, he lives in us, it's like almost uh, like saying that if we lose our characteristic, if we lose 
the thing that makes us us, um, we become next to useless, you know, mm-hmm. or, or unable to show that light, even though, you know, like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's separate. Um, you had said something, um, you said, uh, like, and you said it during the time where you're talking about, you said, push, push an agenda for God. Um, as you were talking about people that having their like, uh, collective characteristics or individual obligation, you said something like, uh, like instead of pushing on your like obligation, it's like your, your agenda, that's what you said, your mm-hmm. agenda for, of God onto people, mm-hmm. I guess just, I know exactly what you mean, mm-hmm. but I also know that, you, you know, like you might get an email or something because you're like, <laughs> if, if we don't have an agenda for God, what do you know, what are we, what are we doing mm-hmm. here? Kind of yeah. thing. So maybe clarify or build on that. Like why, why is having an agenda for God not being salt and light? Okay. Or what yeah. you meant by that. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that's, that's good. That does need clarification. I, I think, I think Christ had an agenda. And I think it's important that we understand his agenda and allow that to be ours and not have it reversed. And what I meant is sometimes we can have an agenda where we feel that this is the way things need to be. And now I'm going to take the words of Christ and put them into my agenda. The difficult thing is most people don't see they have an agenda. They just assume it's God's agenda. That's why they make it theirs, right? Um, And the way you can tell if it's your agenda or if it's Christ's agenda is to go through each of those blessings and see if that is a part of your agenda. If your agenda does not help the poor in spirit, if it does not understand those who mourn, or if your agenda is not meek, right, has a position of power and uses it to your advantage, well, then your agenda is not Christ's agenda. If your agenda is not making peace, but is causing division, then it's not the agenda of Christ, right? And and so I think those blessings are kind of the litmus test to see if our agenda is the same as Christ's agenda. Right. And I think that's one of those things where we have to do that self-examination because the first truth we have to tell is the truth about ourselves, right? And that truth has to be filtered through this, you know, the, the character we see in this beatitude. It's almost like if you were to look at some, some, I have to say some because I don't want to, you know, blast everyone with this, but you look at some churches and you would think that they read the Beatitudes and said, let's do the exact opposite. I mean, really, it's about us having power. It's about us having authority. It's about us putting our agenda on others. It's about us, you know, uh, boasting in what we have, boasting in what we do, boasting in who we are. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. And, you know, I'm have this, I've been blessed. I mean, you can go into the wealth and prosperity, you know, doctrines and things like that. I mean, there's so many places where it almost seems like this is exact opposite of what Jesus was saying. Yeah. You know? I also feel like I know we know where it's coming from. It's mm-hmm. coming from like a place of pride. Um, on the Instagram the other day, I was talking about like gluttony 
and gluttony not being necessarily about food. Did you watch it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I like uh, me, my Mike and my wife, Alex, were gluttony being um, an excess, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so Alex gave a really good example or a really good definition. She says when you perverse the original design, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's a form of gluttony. So like if talking about food, we might say um, the original design is to for energy. Um, mm-hmm. You can eat for pleasure. Um, but it, when you put it in the wrong order, it, you have a tendency to abuse something. Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, the church and that boasting, we understand that it's coming from how like a, it started as a healthy place of pride for God, mm-hmm. um, for uh, the church, the church that the building, meaning mm-hmm. uh, the, this place they started and that people came and now it, yeah. we're bigger than we were and we're an army of God, you know, these kind of things. And then you could turn that into now an unhealthy, a gluttonous approach Mm. to um how you present your church how you present um and it and once it enters gluttony we've examined that it the original design almost becomes useless almost turns Mm. opposite you get sick from the food you know yeah you can um die from the from the from the food and you could feel this uh in time of money uh your social media you know like yeah no longer becomes what it was intended for and now you've Perverse to the point where it's it's working against the, the original design, you know, yeah. which is like so the church becomes now it's working against itself, and I think yeah. that's like kind of what we're seeing a little bit of. Yeah, and, and that kind of was a comparison I made too, like Jesus talking to Israel and telling the nation, you know, I'm giving this to the people. Gosh, I always forget to turn that off. I'm giving the responsibility to these people, right? because you are not handling the responsibility. If we were to take it in our time, Jesus would be talking to the church and saying, you are not acting like Christ. And so I need to find the people who will carry the character, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we understand that because we can distance ourselves from, you know, even that idea of, oh, we're not gluttonous, you know, because we're making it one thing or we're blind to all that it could mean. And not realizing that when Jesus was giving most of his woes, like in Luke, or most of his condemnation, it was to the religious people. Right. Right. Which would be who in our time? Well, it would be the church. It would be the church leaders. It would be those who have authority over people and how they're using their authority over people. And again, look at a lot of the leaders we've seen in church, the big names that are out there, you know, uh, Ravi Zacharias and, and others that, you know, have been in the headlines with abuse, you know, um, you know, sexual abuse. And there's people who have been, you know, embezzling money, people who have been, you know, abusing people who are there, you know, people in their congregation. It's so fitting to the story that Jesus was condemning the Pharisees and the religious leaders that time that fits right into our time. Who, who do we think he's talking to, right? He's talking to us. But it's easy for us to go, oh, he's talking to those, you know, Pharisees and not saying that his warning about hypocrisy was to us, right. that we would not be like that, you know, and, and it's too easy to distance ourselves. And that's why the first truth has to be the truth we tell to ourselves. We have to look at these things and look at our lives and say, how do I fit in that? You know, where, where am I? Am I meek or, or do I use my position for my own advantage, you know? I think that's a really good place to start too, as like a 
someone that's coming into faith and learning who God is and then reading the stories of Jesus and then sitting here and like saying, am I these things? Am I the attitudes? Am I salt mm -hmm. and light? Am I, who am I? You know, to, mm -hmm. because part of, I think the problem of us getting away from the salt and light, there's like this, like uh, ownership of teaching the unknown as like solid truth or, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. we, we, Lack growing of up humility. in the church, yeah. yeah, we're like, we stopped, um, we took the mystery out of, uh, mm -hmm. and we say, well, was, was, we're walking in faith, or we, we might use these kind of words, but there's just um, a certain level of like, even I've even heard this come out of people's mouth when I have these conversations, where they say something like, that is, uh, I'll say like, the absolute truth, or something like that, like, we're, we're, the Bible's absolute truth. Yeah, but we we're, we happen to be reading the same thing, and we have a different yeah. uh, idea about it. So let's talk about that rather than calling what you believe absolute truth. Yeah. And I think that is the hard part, and I think this is where we're getting away from, like, the like the salt light thing. The, yeah. Uh, the meek, the – or, you know, the, yeah, that kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, just definitely the character, right? I mean, uh, if we can't have a conversation about our disagreements, right? Right. If we can't have conflict in a way that is healthy, then it's going to become very unhealthy, right. right? Like war is the absence of conflict, right? Peter Rollins. If we're unable to talk about our disagreements because we're so adamant that we're right, right? Again, we, we start to see this attitude, like you said, pride. There's this lack of humility, this unwillingness to learn. And, you know, it happens on both sides. It can happen with people who are, you know, fundamentalist conservative, and it can have with, happen with people who are liberal progressive. You know, each one can be adamant and not hear or respect the other person. And I think the character of Christ and the politics of Jesus is something that shows up in either of those, right? And that's one of the things I mentioned. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, the politics of Jesus can find you there and be a light and salt in that community that you find because of its nature to other people, because of these attitudes, these characteristics that show up. And whenever they show up, people are drawn to them, you know, because they are disarming. You know, a person who's merciful, people might say, oh, they'll take advantage of you or whatever. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, that we could go into that. That's a kind of a different trail of merciful doesn't mean, you know, gullible. But a person who's merciful is not going to be a threat, is not going to come across as uh, overbearing. You know, they're going to they're going to come across as someone who is wanting to elevate you know, someone else, you know, showing mercy says, I, I think you're important. I want to see you make, I, I think more of you than where you're at. Um, and gosh, that, that's just the kind of thing that, how do you argue with that? Can't, there's no, like they said, there's like no law against these things. Love, you know, like there's like, yeah. you can't, you can't, and paper, rock, scissors, that love wins, you know, like yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so the other last thing I put was the church was supposed to point to the kingdom. Now, how do we know? Um, 
Yeah. And and how do we know? <laughs> Again, we know because it it's filled with people who look like the Beatitudes instead of people who look like the type A personalities, right? We're, we're so celebrity minded in our culture. Um, you know, we relish people who have that spotlight and we idolize people like that. And they're the ones who get the job done and they're the ones who, you know, are eloquent in their speech and they're the ones who, you know, look, you know, the part. Um, those are the things that we are drawn to, but the kingdom looks like those people that Jesus was talking to. And so how do we know if the church is pointing to the kingdom? Does it look like these people? Does it look like, you know, again, these poor in spirit? Does it look like those who are hurting? And the four characteristics that I, I pointed out was grief, suffering, faithfulness, and hope, right? The church is filled with grief. It's part of who we are because we care, because we love. And if you love someone, you will grieve, right? You will grieve when they are sick. You will grieve when they do something that's detrimental to their lives. Uh, you will grieve because of the injustices you see in the world. You'll grieve because of the, the division you see in the church because of politics. You'll grieve because of all these things. It suffers because it is standing in opposition to the power that is controlling. And so it suffers because of that. Um, it's, you know, Jesus suffered and entrusted himself to God. First Peter 2 tells us who judges justly and we're to do the same, right? We're not supposed to try and justify ourselves, make a name for ourselves. We are people who look like the cross. We are people who care so much that we suffer because we care. And then we're faithful. We're faithful to this image of Christ and wanting to follow it, right? To pick up our cross and follow him daily. And we have hope that this is what God is looking for. This is the kingdom, right? This is what the kingdom is about. And we are going to be a part of that. Um, and I think those things are important to understand because sometimes we feel like grief and suffering are not good, right? We think of grief and suffering as being, um, you know, a, not like God. You know, I forget. I think I heard someone, might have been Genesis, shared something like that on Instagram today, where we think that, oh, if you're, you know, a Christian, you can't be sad and you can't suffer and you can't be grieving, where, no, that that's kind of a part of who Christ was and it's a part of who we are. So I think that it's important to, see those things and realize that these, this is what the kingdom looks like. You know, if we're going to be the kingdom, we're going to be grieving, we're going to be suffering, we're going to be faithful and hopeful. And the underlining tone connected to all those is like relational, yeah. you know, like we are that because without the relationship part, there's no way we could be yeah. grieving, right? We could be uh, faithful. We can't do it by ourselves, you know? And I, yeah. there's like a, that's the other part of the, the issue, I think we're trying to all figure it out by ourselves and this whole like concept of being self-made and mm -hmm. um, we did it, you know, um, yeah. even when you say like building a church, like we did, like, I'm going to make it. I, I made it. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, and you're like, that's, that's it's so counter to what the the church says and, and uh, what how the church was made and yeah. how Jesus 
was asking us to to do it, you know, like and the examples that he gave, none of them were like he didn't say go out by yourself and go do it now by yourself. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think I gave the illustration too. Look at who Jesus picked, right? Twelve people who weren't the cream of the crop, right? His disciples were not the best of the best as far as you know the study of the law and their schooling. They would only pick the cream of the crop to be followers and be their disciples. All the disciples were fishermen. They were doing other tasks, which means they didn't make the cut, right? And that's who he picked, right? And then he would heal someone and said, don't tell anyone about it. They'd want to make him king, and he would get out of there, right? He, he did everything against what we consider normal. I mean, it's really insane what he did in our way of thinking, in our logic. Everything Jesus did was counter to how we would say to do things, even in the church today, you know, we want to publicize things. You know, I want people to know how great our event was. You know, Jesus would say, oh, don't tell anyone. Oh, that was a great event. Yeah, let's not tell anyone. Right? Just keep it a secret. It's like, what? No, we need people to come, right? I mean, we have that mentality where we see, and it's not that it's wrong that you invite people to come to something, but... The order in which you put it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just line, kind yeah. of that gluttony thing that you're talking yeah. about, right? There's nothing wrong with enjoying food, but if it's just there to satisfy the wrong desires, then it can become problematic. Yeah. And so, you know, Jesus did things very upside down, you know. Yeah. I remember in John, he was like talking about like there's like that doesn't matter where your, your name or your label, it doesn't matter where you worship. You know, what he's looking for is like the character and like, mm -hmm. the spirit connects to your, you know, like. Yeah, two your, worshipers yeah, worship yeah. God in spirit and in truth. And the spirit and yeah. in truth. And it's like, when you start thinking about that, like, you're like, where's that, you know, like, let, let's let's get back to that. And we can tell people, but if that yeah. part's not first, if people yeah. aren't first, um, yeah, just, it starts with us, man. It starts with the, the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, this is all for us, you know, and we. I could say them and, uh, you know, like the church and it seems like I can't see it and I, I could see it in other churches, but it's like, it's all talking to us and it's always talking to us. And if we can't, like, we have to like internalize it, own it um, in our own life. And like, like you said, like, be that, you know, yeah. be, live that, you know, I, I could see it in us, all of us. I could see it in our church, but I could also see it in other churches that I didn't think I was going to see it in. Yeah. And also like finding a way to like get us back to where you know you could walk into any church and yeah. and feel loved and um yeah and again we, we lost this idea of the collective right where this is us yeah instead of you know this is just me and my relationship with god no this is us and our relationship with god i mean what would happen if you couldn't read except for together you know, what would happen if you couldn't pray except for in a collective group together? Um, how much more would we gather and how much more would we grow if we had to do it together? You know, we've become so individualistic. And that's, again, part of that politics of the world. It's, it's all about the individual freedom. And the politics of Jesus is about the collective power that we recognize who we are together with this attitude. Where'd you get the, where, or why'd you, where'd you get the name politics of Jesus or why did you decide to name it that? Um, trying to be edgy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a podcast yeah. and 
I don't know if it was that exact title. I think they said something about Jesus' politics. And just, I, I feel like right now we are heading into uh, more political turmoil, especially as we have certain, you know, uh, entities in our governments mandating vaccination. And you've got the anti-vaxxers who are like, you know, don't tread on me attitude. And I feel we're going to come across this huge division again. And I think, again, this is an opportunity for us to shine and have the politics of Jesus that stands like a light and salt in the middle of that division. If you Google what political party would Jesus belong to, because it will pop up. It was like this long, because I, I looked it up. <laughs> I'm guilty. I just want to like see like what came up. I You know me, I'm very neutral yeah. about these things. But it will show you different views from different yeah. sides about the way Why Jesus is. lived and what if he's red or blue, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and rarely is that like a middle thing. Yeah. And if it is a middle thing, it's like, it's more enjoyable for me to read. But, um, the, uh, it, that, that part, you know, that was just asking because it just seems so like, like, was Sam trying to make people mad or like, was I trying to, he's like, that's not like, you know, cause you already know someone's going to hear about this and be like, Oh, well, Sam is, you know, this, so he's probably going to be talking about that and trying to yeah. like, but I, but I really do love and appreciate how you are like trying to look at his politics as as yeah. it pertains to the word, you know. So I, I think it's so important. I, I think if we don't talk about this in this climate and deal with it, then we will choose a side and not deal with what can happen together. You know, we've had a number of people leave our community because of politics. Um, and it, it hurts because these are people I love. These are people who've been part of our community. Um, but I think this is important. You know, the temptation for me is to, you know, I'll, I'll just do series that are easy to digest. You know, how to have a healthy marriage, you know, how to raise, you know, good kids that's how to you know you know i can find these themes that everyone can say oh yeah we can all get on board with that but then we still have this division and then you know pretty soon you'll have this conflict that never gets really not that it has to be resolved but never gets settled in that it's okay that you're here and i'm here because we're both here right and that's why at the end, I kind of use the illustration of Kareen and my relationship. There's nothing I can say about our relationship that can tell you what our relationship really is, right? And that's true with any relationship. I can give you, okay, yeah, in the morning we have this cup of coffee and we do this, but you don't know the emotion that's there. You don't know the temperament, you don't know the history of what we've been through that has made us who we are, where we are, even where we're going and the things that happen. Yeah, that's part of the mystery of your love, you know, like, and that's exactly people will try to teach someone will like teach a Korean and Sam class and be like, well, Sam Korean did this. <laughs> so they are this, you know, and yeah. you're like, well, 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 there's so much more like, you know, like, let's yeah. like what my buddy one time was like trying to we have these conversations by heaven and hell all the time. I don't even know how. And uh, and he's just like, what if 
my told my daughter, uh, like, what if she, what if I didn't tell her that when she touched the stove, she would burn her hand, you know? Mm -hmm. Would I be a good dad, you know? And I'm like, no, that makes complete sense. I said, the only difference is, you know that if she touches the stove, she's gonna burn her hand. You don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell by what you think I'm doing or what mm -hmm. you. So that's all I'm asking. Stop telling people where they're going to go if you don't know. You know, yeah. like I think we can give like an educated guess based on what the Bible is. But like, let's leave some. I said, would it be better if we told his daughter's name is Leah? Um, if we walked with Leah and told her the examples of uh, why why she shouldn't touch the stove, mm -hmm. and then also compared that to like um, boys or you know like. Or, or get to know Leah's uh, temperament and say, the reason you even have a desire to touch that stuff, we know is because you want to piss us off. You know, <laughs> like we know that, you know, yeah. like, so what, where does that come from? All those things that to me are way more important than telling her she's going to burn her hand. She's going to know the first time, you know, like yeah. I, I, it's a bad metaphor. And, and, and for me, because, but I, that, that's why I confronted yeah. him about it. I'm like, it's not the same thing. It's, and that's maybe the, what the problem is that we're taking very, concrete things and passing them off as like this very like easy to understand truthful thing when when there's so much politics and and mystery and beauty and, yeah. and like richness in all of these words but we're like here's a little uh package and uh yeah. just take that with you and then get out of here but we're like don't don't yeah don't wrestle anymore you know you're like okay yeah no yeah. We've, we've got our you know systematic theology i yeah. fit it in this box right. and it's nice and it's got a ribbon here you can have this you know it, it comes self-contained and it has all the answers here and, and people who have that mentality you know oh, here's the salmon cream's relationship it's this this and this and they are you know libertarians or whatever they're they're this this is who they are it's like no that doesn't tell me who i am that has no idea who we are in our relationship. You you can't grasp who it is because it's living, it's growing, it has history, it has emotion. Um, there's too much to be able to just name, right? And that's what we have to understand is the politics of Christ is like that. It's relational, like you were saying. It is this group of people being salt and light by being people who are poor in spirit, meek, you know, mourning, people who are grieving, suffering, faithful and hopeful. It, it, it's this and it shows up in any place in the world, in any political system in the world. You can be a communist, socialist, Democrat, Republican and have the politics of Jesus being foremost in your life, right? Those other things do not affect this this is the core um and i mean i shared i think on the first talk about this how there's no country that can be quote a christian country just because a country by definition has boundaries has borders has self-preservation in mind it has to and it's not wrong that it does the kingdom of god doesn't have any of those things the kingdom of god is an open table the kingdom of God is not self-serving or self-protecting. you know, protecting. It is self-sacrificing. The kingdom of God does not fit in any of those categories. And, and so if we have that understanding, that's what I mean by taking our agenda and forcing Jesus to be a part of it. You know, We are a Christian nation. They're a godless nation. It's like, again, you, you don't, you're, you're not understanding what the kingdom is, you know, and that kind of terminology. Um, and, and that's where I think there's a problem 
you know, with our understanding of how we fit this into our systems. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. We're at, yeah. we're at the buzzard. We're at the buzzard. Any, uh, any questions? Oh, somebody wrote. Oh, you wrote that. You wrote that. Yeah. From our studio audience, any uh, questions? <laughs> <laughs> All right. right. I concluded with the best gift the church gives to the world is reflecting the kingdom, and this should be our chief concern. It's just reflect the kingdom. That's the that's the best thing we can do. It's better than trying to get laws passed. It's better than you know um, preaching great sermons, having great you know rallies. Just being the reflective image of the kingdom is the our gift to the world. And I think that's what we need to keep focused in our minds. That's awesome. You also know that that uh that uh, what's that? that string theory thing you heard about that? Like with like the light, like or like when they keep on cutting atoms and atoms and mm-hmm. and the atoms turn into other things and quart quates or whatever that they're called. Uh-huh. But the the theory is like they dig deep enough that all atoms are just basically like vibrating light you know hmm. that basically it's going to come down to that we are just light you know like hmm. that our bodies just balls of light and then hmm. that uh <laughs> like this is like they're uh like they're like we're, we're just we're, we're making up the the full body you know yeah. we are light we are like the hmm. the thing you know yeah gosh so much you know I mean, the reality, we don't even have a full grasp of. No, I mean, we're so far from yeah. that. <laughs> but the more we find out, the more mysterious it is. Right? <laughs> yeah, it just gets bigger. Yeah. And that's okay because, like, we're searching. The progress is, the, the process is part of the progress, and it makes it worth it, you know? Like, yeah. you have to go through it. We have to be okay knowing we're going to go through it, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Gracias. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, Kirk, for being here. Thank you guys Thank for you, watching. Kirk. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys can make it some time down here and join us Sunday. Uh, Have a great rest of the week. Love you guys and take care. Peace. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.